Hello, this is Dr. Patrick Porter, and thanks for tuning back into the Playtap Business Journal podcast, where we bring you tips and tricks to either help yourself or help your practice to learn and grow and develop with the BrainTap system. Today, I have a very special guest, someone I've heard speak for years on a subject that he is so profoundly knowledgeable of that I think you're all going to love it. But first of all, he went through his own crisis. So this is somebody who's just not a doctor that says, hey, I invented this thing. He did it for himself first, found out what was working. He's actually owned and operated hospitals and research centers. And who I'm talking about, and, and we want to welcome him to BrainTap Nation, is Dr. Jeff Gladden. Dr. Gladden, hey, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you, Patrick. It's a pleasure. Really a pleasure. Really yeah. admire your work. Great. Tell us first a little bit about, uh, you know, you're a cardiologist, you're a researcher. I mean, you're, that's like, like the top of the field pretty much out there. And then you decide to forego that and start looking at natural alternatives uh, and things of this nature. What was the big shift? How'd that happen? And what convinced you to stay with it? Yeah. So, you know, my background is interventional cardiology, as you know. And I practiced that for 25 years in uh, in Texas and in Dallas and surrounding areas. And um, and I love that work. I, it was great work. You know, I, I ended up building my own heart group. We had 10 offices and 12 doctors. We flew around um, really with a passion to bring high quality care to surrounding areas that didn't have it. Um, and in that context, I ended up starting cath labs. And then, as you mentioned, co-founded a heart hospital there and in Plano with another cardiologist and the people at Baylor. And, and, you know, I was always very innovative in the cath lab in terms of new technologies and things like that, uh, always looking for the next thing. And then in my 50s, I got sick. Um, and when I went to get tested to figure out why I was feeling tired all the time, why I was getting depressed when I would get anxious and why I was putting on weight and things like that, I was basically told, hey, you know, everything checks out for your age. <clears throat> you're just getting older, why don't you take an antidepressant? And, you know, I've always been athletic. I think you know that about me. I love to mountain bike and snowboard and run and, you know, body surf and stand up paddle and do all kinds of things with my kids. And, and I've always been that way. And, um, and I was thinking, wow, I can't believe I'm going to be downhill from here. So um, it was such an existential moment. It's hard to almost capture how existential it was, but it was almost like seeing life kind of evaporate in front of you. I mean, it was really, really, really profound. And so I, I, at that point, just threw myself into functional and integrative and age management medicine and two and a half years later, cracked the code for myself. And, and when I realized that there was a whole world of information and actionable information and scientifically demonstrated information um, that I had no access to previously, I, I just realized, oh my gosh, I've been living in a you know, in a silo over here in, in allopathic medicine. And uh, there's there's another world out here that's that's super exciting and interesting. So um, I decided at that point to, to leave the sick care world um, because you had to be sick to see me and really transition into the healthcare field, um, looking to really optimize, you know, longevity and performance and and health. And so, you know, that's, that's when I made the leap, it was a little bit like uh, base jumping, quite honestly, because I knew how to make a living as a cardiologist, I didn't have any idea how to do it as, but it was like, no, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I have to go do this. And so that's how it got started. Yeah. And that's really how you make it as a natural medicine doctor. <laughs> you got to have that first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody base jumps into it. That's right. Yeah. That's so, right. You hope the chute opens. Yeah. 
I, I love the fact that when in a lot of times you speak and our topic today is longevity and youthfulness, because a lot of people talk about longevity, but I'm not interested in just surviving. You know, I mm -hmm. want to thrive. So tell me a little bit about how you put those two together and, you know, as much as you can, maybe even uh, turn a little bit toward brain performance since the brain temperatures yeah. are, are using it that way. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think um, the longevity space has really kind of blown up in, the, in recent years, right? There's, there's billions of dollars of research going on in this space. There's um, many conferences devoted to it. There are lots of books coming out around it. Um, and, and that's fantastic. Um, and there are people that, that espouse to different things like, I want to live to 120, right? Which is kind of the Hayflick limit in terms of how many times cells can divide before they poop out. I want to be 150, 180, I want to be 300, I want to be 700. And what I have found is that for me, and for most people actually, longevity in that context is an abstraction. We don't have any way to relate to that. We don't even know what that is, right? And every picture that you ever saw of a 100-year-old or a 110-year-old or a 120-year-old, it's like, man, I don't know, that's not exactly what I'm going for, right? Yeah. So... So that being the case, um, what we really focus on is being young and staying young. In fact, Glad and Longevity, we've just changed our logo and now it says live young right on the logo because we all know what it is to be young. We all know what it is to have all that resilience and robustness. And, and so this is really, I think the key to longevity is staying young. Um, and then longevity comes sort of naturally with that. So that's that's kind of how we frame it up. There's there's more we could talk about, but that's the that's the initial frame. Yeah. Well, when you when you talk about longevity now, t tell me a little bit about you call it the currency of impact. What to explain that yeah. to us and how that works? Yeah. So that's a great question. The um, you know as we go through life, particularly probably people that are listening to this podcast. Uh, certainly yourself um, and and the people that we tend to associate with, you know, you get to a point in your life where really what you want to do is make an impact. All right. You want to make an impact for good. You want to help humanity. Um, you need to make a profit so you can keep doing it. But but you actually want to have a really good impact. And every decade of your life, you have a bigger impact than a decade prior. You know, more resources, more relationships, more knowledge, more information. So what happens though, is that with the aging process, there's a complete misconception about what it is. It's not a linear process. It's not every year I have another birthday. And so I'm getting a little bit older. It's actually an exponential process. So if you imagine an exponential curve coming down for your aging process and an exponential curve going up for your impact, when those two lines cross, you know, you, your impact will continue for a bit, but then your impact is sabotaged and it craters. And I think the thing that most of us fear the, the most is that, um, you know, becoming irrelevant, right? Where somebody comes to visit us in a nursing home out of the kindness of their heart, but we don't really have that much to offer in terms of relative to what we're doing now. So that being the case, then when you think about staying young for a long period of time, if you change the trajectory of that aging curve from an exponential downward slope, into a straight line where you're staying, let's say 30 for the rest of your life. And that's the title of my book that's coming out shortly, 100 is the new 30. Um, then 
your your impact continues to rise exponentially against that straight line as opposed to being clipped off when the lines intersect right so the intersection occurs much much later and your your ability to impact the world is much much greater which when you think about it if you want to live for a long time why do you want to live for a long time you know what's your purpose if you don't have a really strong sense of purpose you're not going to get there and so you know having that sense of purpose and impact is all ties together so to me the that's how they kind of fit together. That's great. Yeah. Now, thinking things fitting together, tell me a little bit about uh, how the body is an extension of the brain. Mm. Well, here's an interesting thing. So I'm an interventional cardiologist by training. Um, when I was a medical student, uh, you know, the first semester of medical school, we did anatomy. And <clears throat> to study for my anatomy final, um, I had an epiphany, which at least for me was an epiphany at the time, which is that if I actually understood the nervous system, if I actually knew where all the nerves in the body went and the muscles they went over and the bones they ran by and the vascular sheaths that they connected to and all of this through the body, that I would know anatomy. And so that's how I studied. I studied basically based on the nervous system. And I, I think I had the third highest score in the class, you know, 185 kids or something like that. So later in life, I really became fascinated with cardiology uh, only because neurology at that point in time just seemed like people taking care of stroke people, they didn't have anything to do for them. And it wasn't very appealing to me. But now I've really come to understand that all of health is a function of, of the brain, right? It's all a function of the mind. And in two, in two ways, number one, both anatomically, um, the entire body is the brain. We tend to think of the brain as being in the cranium. And then we have the peripheral nervous system. We even categorize the central nervous system, peripheral nervous system. That's it, artificial. It's one nervous system. There's only one nervous system. And the nervous system basically runs the show for everything. It's, it's almost as if the brain just has muscles so it can move around. It has, it has a stomach so it can feed itself. It has a heart so it can pump blood to itself, but it's really all about the nervous system. So if you're gonna optimize longevity, you have to be focused on the nervous system. There are other systems too. You have to have a heart and immune system and you know other things, right? But, but the nervous system controls it. So it's, it's controlling it at the physiologic level. But the other way that it's controlling it is in terms of our thoughts. Right. And so there's a very, I have a life energy circle. I have four circles that create an exponential response to an exponential problem. Um, and in the life energy circle, the brain is highlighted, but with regards to, you know, what's your mindset? Uh, are you, do you have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? Are you open to new questions or are you fixed on your current answers? You know, what's your, what's your level of anxiety? What's your level of depression, your level of addiction, your level of PTSD? You know, what traumas are you still living in reaction to, right? How loved do you feel? How safe do you feel? How good are your relationships? How spiritually centered are you? What's your sense of purpose? All these things really come out of our brain and our psyches, right? And so the brain is not only critically important physiologically, but it's also critically metaphysically in terms of our nature of reality and everything else. So I see, I see the nervous system as really, you know, the foundational piece. Yeah, that's awesome. When we think about um, different things, just kind of changing gears a little bit, we all remember when somebody told us Santa Claus wasn't real or Easter Bunny wasn't right, but we don't know when 
aging begins. One minute we're a young man, young woman doing our thing, and next minute we're looking in the mirror going, who the hell is that? So tell us a little bit about when does youth end and this aging thing begin? When does that really start? Yeah. Psychologically, it's hard for people. Right. No, that's true. So <clears throat> I had mentioned uh, earlier here that that aging is an exponential process, right? That it's not linear, that it accelerates as we go through life. People age so much more between say 60 and 70 or 70 and 80 than they do between 30 and 40. But youth actually, there was a study out of Stanford that looked at proteins that are released in the blood that are indicative of the aging process. And what they showed is that youth basically ends at about age 26. So up until about age 25, 26, um, you can be considered youthful. Now there are, there are people that are in those chronological ages that are aging themselves very quickly, they're abusing this or abusing that, right? But, but that being said, um, all things being equal, uh, age, aging you know, begins really at about age 26. So <clears throat> the interesting thing is what those protein studies showed is that there's actually a real bump in the aging process between say 27 and 34. It's a big wave of aging that occurs for people. You know, when you think about athletes and you think about their careers, right, a lot of them end in their mid-30s, right? You know, you've got a Tom Brady that's playing later. They're doing good things to take care of themselves. But aging, not only is it exponential, but it's not, it's not, it comes in waves. If you get COVID, you age. If you get pregnant, you age. If you go through these periods of time, you age, right? And then you age again at age 60. Uh, there's another wave, but there's a massive wave between age 63 and 78. Those 15 years will really completely determine your trajectory of aging. That is where the rubber is really hitting the road. So anybody that's in that, that range between 63 and 78, you're playing for keeps now. This is the time to pull out all the stops because now you're truly playing a, a hyper exponential game. The steepness of that curve is dramatic. So, yeah. Well, tell us a little bit like in brain optimization, because nobody wants to have longevity without their brain, as you said earlier, and they're, they're yep. nervous working for them. Um, tell me a little bit about how people's mindset, you're talking about thinking, what does this thinking thing have to do with this longevity piece? So how do we put those two together? Right. You know, um, one of the things that ages the brain quickly, I think, is chronic stress. Um chronic stress, chronic anxiety, chronic depression, you know, intermittent depression, whatever it might be. I think this ages the brain uh, very quickly. There's a lot of cortisol, then there's not enough cortisol. You know, hormones are declining. Um, stress is, is basically a part of that. Low thyroid develops. There's lots of things that feed into this, but this chronic stress really starts to wear, have a lot of wear and tear on the brain. There's also an interesting theory of aging that it's actually stem cells um, inside the, uh, the hippocampus, no, the hypothalamus, sorry, there are stem cells inside the ventricle of the hypothalamus that actually regulate the aging process. They're releasing exosomes that tell us to stay young. And about age 26, they start decreasing that production. And so it may be the trigger that actually holds you know, the control of aging. So the brain may be controlling aging that way also. But when we, but when we're under chronic stress, um, 
you know, it changes our perspective on the world. We don't, we don't think like a young person. It's so important to think like a young person. And so it's so important to, to, to actually get rid of stress. Like in my life, I've been able to, through meditation and spiritual connection and different things that I've done, get to a point where there, there is no stress. There literally is no stress. And everything is unfolding as it should. And, and even on a day like I had yesterday, where I had two flights that got canceled, I lost my luggage. Um, I, I had all kinds of things happen, right? I won't even go into. But even then, it's like, I'm not stressed about this, right? I'm chatting with people, whatever else. So the ability to not have stress, I think, is huge in terms of maintaining the youthfulness of the brain. But there's more to it than that, of course. Um, you know, you do have to be hormonally optimized, et cetera, nutrition, et cetera, et cetera. But I think a lot of people sabotage their longevity and the health of their brain by not being able to um, mitigate the stress that they feel all the time. Yeah. Well, tell us from this point right now, I mean, you're helping people with cutting edge technology and cutting edge thoughts and concepts are coming out in your new book, as you said. Tell us a little bit of those. What can you share with our audience that they might be able to use at home right now? What can they start doing? Right. Um, good question. So I think the first, the first thing would be um, what I find in many people as they go through life is that they start to um, get a set of answers, right? I figured out what it is to, for my profession. I figured out it is for my family. I figured out what I believe. I figured out how I'm going to work out. And, and people kind of get married to a set of answers. And I think it's one of the biggest mistakes you could make. Um, and the reason is, is that as you go through the phases of life, whether it's becoming an empty nester, whether it's be, you know, moving from transitioning from one line of work into the next line of work, I won't talk about retirement, but transitioning, you know, as relationships go through transitions, et cetera. If you're if you're married to the way things were, the way you thought this was going to work, even workout is a great example, right? The way you worked out in your 20s, it's not going to work for you when you're in your 40s and 50s or 60s or 70s. It changes every decade. If you're not asking questions instead of being married to your current answers, you are aging yourself rapidly. And so I think, you know, we have three questions at Gliden Longevity. The first is how good can you be? Global question. The second was how do you make 100 to new 30? And the third is how do you live well beyond 120? So when you wake up with questions every day, and, in, and you've heard me say this before, Patrick, I wake up 27 every day, right? So every morning when I wake up, it's like, oh, I'm 27, right? What a great day. I'm 27. It changes my entire mindset. It's not you know, yeah, you want to start a new company? Sure, let's start a new company. You want to do this? Write a book? Sure, let's do it. I'm 27. I have the whole, my whole life is ahead of me. And so when you have all that opportunity in front of you and the world is your oyster, it's like, what a great way to live. So I think having a mindset where you're married to your questions and you actually claim your youth um, is really, really important. So I'll start with that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, they, I think it was Wayne Dyer said, never let an old person inhabit your body. You know, so that's right. So the people don't know that you can actually create and imagine through your imagination. I love that. The one that uh, Deepak Chopra did where he put the people in the woods, gave them all music from the 50s, and they did all that, and they checked their markers there, and they actually aged backwards. That's right. So that's right. Us, yeah. So tell us a little bit about 
when when you look at from your perspective now, since you've on the spiritual side a little bit now on the medical side, but what is this aging thing? Like you're saying, these why wouldn't our body just continue to be young? I mean, why would why does it have to send a molecule to say, hey, start aging? Right. Um, well, people talk about that. Why is that the case? And I think, you know, teleologically, right? Um, whereas basically you look at the end and then describe how you think you got to the end. But if you look at it teleologically, um, it would be because, you know, species in general are here to reproduce. And so if you're here to reproduce, once your reproductive years are over and you've raised your young, you know, of what value are you, right? So there's an aging process to sort of take you out. And so that's one of the main hypotheses, right, that, of why that occurs. Um, that being said, I think it's important for people to understand that um, there are drivers of aging that are being uncovered. And we're in the middle of doing this right now, being able to actually measure and quantitate these processes that are driving aging itself. Um, and these are, were, some of these were originally described in 2013 in a, in a paper called the Hallmarks of Aging, where there were nine hallmarks that were described. In 2022, five more were added to that. And then in November of 2022, a fifth, another one was added. So we're up to 15 hallmarks of aging. And these are biological processes that either directly reflect the aging process or are also part of the driver for aging. So there's a chicken and egg kind of effect going on here with these, with these hallmarks. But that being said, um, traditional medicine is not focused on any of these at all, at all. And even functional medicine is only looking at you know, the peripheral elements of these like inflammation or maybe your telomeres are a little short or whatever, but they're not really diving into the biochemistry of what's actually driving this whole thing forward. And that's, that's what we call longevity medicine when you're actually focused on the drivers. And that's what we do as we focus on the drivers because when you pick up the drivers of aging and you start to attack there, everything else comes into play, right? Now you're now pe people aren't getting diabetes. Now they're not getting cancer. They're not getting heart disease because all those things are a function of the aging process. Virtually every disease is a function of the aging process apart from, you know, pediatric ca cancer or something. Yeah, that's great. Now we shared a lot today. It's been great. And I know you've also, from your perspective of, of the sciences, you've looked at certain nutrition and supplements and things like that. Where can people start learning more about what you recommend? What's what's helping drive your nutrition needs and and other things that are going on with you? What's the best way for people to stay in touch? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So um, we have a supplement shop at Gladden Longevity, Gladden Longevity Supplement Shop, where we've we've curated supplements that we think are particularly helpful for people. Um, I have a podcast also uh, that you'll be a guest on here shortly. Um, it's the Gladden Longevity Podcast, and we have probably close to 200 episodes at this point. And there's a there's a wealth of information there uh, on every topic you can imagine. Um, and so that's another great source for people to start to get more information on this. The book coming out will be very helpful. I will say this about diet, though, and, and that is that um, the problem that I see with almost all diets is that they start with the food. It's like, oh, well, this is a good food. Well, that's a good food. Well, that's a bad food. Um, but really a diet plan should start with the individual. You know, how are you built? What are your genetics? How well do you process carbs?
carbs? You know, what's your gut biome look like? How's your immune system interfacing with the foods that you're eating? You know, what's the, what's the acidity of your stomach? How well are your digestive enzymes working, right? Are you emulsifying fats properly? You know, and once you actually understand the person, then you that's when you can actually start to make real recommendations about what the diet should be for Patrick. You know, apart from that, it's just all abstraction. And so I think people should think about that, that if you're struggling with your diet, a lot of times it's because you're trying to take a generic solution and apply it to a specific individual. And that's never going to be a good fit. Right. So, yeah, that's great. So, again, I want to thank you for being on the call with me today and, and talking to us. But have I asked you every question you want to have answered here? Or am I missing something? If, you, if I was the last person to talk to and you had to either repeat something you've said or add something new, what would you share with our audience? Well, I would I would just I would just. Um... I would leave you with this idea of medicine, because I think a lot of people feel like, well, I have a doctor, so I'm good, you know, or I've had a biological age tested, and so I'm good. And I think I just want to make two comments. One is that traditional medicine, as I was trained in, is really symptom-driven medicine, right? Because if I were to ask you, Patrick, did you see your doctor today? You'd say, well, no, I feel fine. And so it's really symptom-driven. Uh, and and the solutions are symptom driven. And then you have functional medicine, which is a step up. It's root cause medicine. Well, let's get to the root cause of why you have your eczema, right? Well, maybe you have leaky gut. Maybe you have this, that, or the other thing, food sensitivities. Um, but those forms of medicine, even if you have a functional doctor, you're really not focused on the drivers of aging. And it, that's really where you're going to win the game. So I would frame it up for people that um, you really need to focus on those on those drivers of aging. Yeah. And where can they learn about the drivers of aging? My podcast, my podcast, we start to go into all of those. Yeah. And the book will go into it in great detail. So, sure. yeah. So what it, with your, uh, they can follow you also on social media. It seems like they're all the same kind of handle at um, the lab. Yeah. Glad and, Long Glad and Longevity. Right. If you go to the website, gladandlongevity.com, you'll see all the all the different ways that you can connect. And if you'd like to work with us, you know, we, we're, we're a practice that works with people. Um, and I was going to make one other comment about biological age is that a lot of people have had a biological age tested. And let's say it's four years younger than their chronological age. It's like, oh, I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm good. But one thing you need to understand is that that is really misinformation. And the reason it's misinformation is because we're really a mosaic of ages. We have many biological ages. We have many physiological ages. And unless you actually know all those ages, how old are your blood vessels? How old is your brain? How old is your, how old is your heart? How old are your lungs? How old is your skin, your bones, your muscles, et cetera, your telomeres, your stem cells? Unless you really know my mitochondria, unless you really understand these ages, you're only as young as your oldest age. And so you don't really, you can have a, such a false sense of security saying, well, I'm, I'm good for my age because I'm four years younger, five years younger, 10 years younger, I must be great. When in actual fact, that's not necessarily the case. So if you're really serious about, hey, I wanna stay young for a long time, then you just have to realize that you have to play the game that you're actually involved in. And that's an exponential game, so. That's awesome. 
speaking here with Dr. Jeff Gladden, and he's shared with us a wealth of information, but there's lots more from him. I can tell you this is not even the tip of the tip of the iceberg. So you can head on over to his website. We'll have them all listed below here in the podcast, and you can go share them. If you do find something in their supplement uh, line that you want, use BrainTap20, and you'll get a discount off whatever you purchase over there. And I recommend, uh, I love your, I guess one more question, because I wanted to mention here, is you have hydrogen. Tablets, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and I believe that everyone should be using them. So tell us a little bit about those and why that's important to the brain and really the rest of the body as well. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I got introduced to hydrogen in 2015. And, um, and when I saw the research data on it, which a lot of which was coming out of Japan, I was immediately completely intrigued. Um, you know, one of the things that happens in the aging process is increased inflammation. We talked about increased stress, but we also, there's increased inflammation, right? There's neuroinflammation, uh, which is a major driver of brain fog and things like that as people age. Um, but why is inflammation so damaging, right? What's the big deal with inflammation? Well, it's because it causes excess oxidative stress at the cellular level. That's really how inflammation does its damage. And so, if you're just going to take antioxidants, I'm going to take, you know, a bunch of antioxidants, vitamin C, vitamin E, you know, um, carotene, whatever. Um, they're, they're not very effective, even fish oil, things like that, not terribly effective. They, they do quell inflammation, but they, they don't really get at the oxidative stress. So we like, we like suppressing inflammation. We use SPM, special pro-resolving mediators. And we're very intrigued with some mushrooms right now that can actually downregulate NF-kappa-beta, uh, which is one of the key modulators of inflammation. We're creating a tincture around that right now. Um, but that being said, hydrogen has the ability to go in and actually modulate oxidative stress at the cellular level and put it in balance, right? It's not too, it's not overactive, it's not underactive. And that ability to modulate oxidative stress turns out to be massively important for telomere lengths, for cellular integrity, for mitochondrial function, for everything else, for brain function, muscle function. So we're massive fans of hydrogen. Um, you know, drinking it two, three times a day, we think is really good. And we love it in context of exercise. So I think there's really two forms of exercise. One is physical exercise. So drink it before you're going to go on your hike or your run or lift weights. And the other is mental exercise. So you finish, you know, you're, you're into your afternoon, you've done three podcasts, you've written four books, Patrick, like you usually do. And, you know, your brain's a little tired, drink some hydrogen, you'll, you'll find yourself bounce right back in 10 minutes. And it's, there was a study done comparing it to caffeine and sleep deprived college students and showed that had equivalent benefits in rebooting the brain just by a much different mechanism. And so very, very cool stuff. So we, we love hydrogen uh, for that reason. We think it's a foundational supplement. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I believe that too. And you out there you know, in my podcast, you've heard me talk about it before. So yeah, head on over there. See what it is. So I want to thank you again for taking time out to share with us about what you have going on. I'm going to encourage everyone to head on over to his podcast and all of his other YouTubes and everything else he's out there. He's everywhere. You just put in his name, you'll, you'll find him. And then uh, please share this with any of your friends, your coworkers, anyone you think that needs to learn about this education and about how our, we're really not defined by what you think you're defined as far as aging goes. There's a lot more to learn and who better to show us than somebody who's done it for themselves, cracked his own code. I can tell you he does look like more like a 27-year-old than whatever is probably is 
chronological ages or whatever. I just, had a birth, I just had a birthday, February 28th, yeah. So I was born in 1954, but um, 27 every day. I ran four miles yesterday. Um, you know, I feel great. So That's awesome. That's great. So share this, like it. Please be with us on the journey. We're out to better a billion brains. And right now, if you're listening to me, it's your brain that we, we want to help. Uh, we'll be back with you in the next podcast. So please tune in, like the station, and we'll be bringing more to you later. Thank you.